Broadcasting from the Superbook Sports Studios, KTUS AM 1060, Tempe, Phoenix, and KSLX HD2, Scottsdale, Phoenix. It's time to hit the field with Extra Point, featuring Kayla Mortallaro and Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. Tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060. Or a call at 602-260-1060. The snap is back. The hold is down. You can't miss with this combination. And the Extra Point is good. point right here on KDOS AM 1060. As always, follow along with us online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. It's a Wednesday. It's October 11th. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you up until noon today. We'll take your phone calls 1030 and 1115 602 260 1060 is the number. There's an important game taking place tonight at Chase Field. The Arizona Diamondbacks game number three of NLDS. Lance Lynn for the Dodgers. Brandon fought for the Diamondbacks 607 p.m. First pitch on TBS where the Diamondbacks have an opportunity to sweep the series and advance to the NLCS. We'll certainly get into much more about the Arizona Diamondbacks in the Major League Baseball playoffs as show continues on. Uh, but we'll get things started here with the poll questions, which happens to be about the Arizona Diamondbacks. Do the D-backs finish the sweep of the Dodgers tonight at Chase Field? And there's been a flip since the 9 o'clock hour. Yes is now leading the way here at 75% of the vote. No is trailing at 25 percent kind of mirrors the betting market to some extent i mean the diamondbacks open to 140 underdog they've been an underdog in every postseason game so far this season and they haven't lost one yet uh but they went for minus 140 uh excuse me the dodgers went for minus 140 down to uh you know the consensus in nevada last i looked which was 15 minutes ago sitting at minus 125 so there's been some action at least on the betting market on the Diamondbacks today. Uh, but uh, we'll see what's going on with that. Brandon fought against Lance Lynn, and Lance Lynn uh, has some awful numbers. The majority of those were accumulated when he was still pitching for the White Sox. He's been a much more effective pitcher, not surprisingly, with the Dodgers. Yes, uh, his answer for, you know, all the home runs that he's given up or whatever was pretty funny. Uh, that kind of has continued, though, with the Dodgers. But in general, he has pitched much better uh, with this ball, ball club than he did with the White Sox. Also, a little more difficult to hit him run in Dodger Stadium than it is in Chicago, which, uh, depending on the win situation, but uh, that ballpark in Chicago is relatively easy to hit a home run in. We will answer that question around 11.30, plus we'll get into much more about the game later on. Over on Twitter at KDUS AM 1060, who is responsible for the Cardinals being outscored in the fourth quarter in four of five games? The players continued to weigh 71.4% of the vote. The coaching staff getting some love now at 28.6%. So uh, the old Johnny Carson show back in uh, Johnny Carson's heyday, by far the best talk show host in the history of television kind of like uh the best the, the three things that are almost like inarguable i'm sure there are more than three but the first three that come to mind is that johnny carson's the best talk show host ever jim brown's the best football player ever and Bruce springsteen's the best rock and roll performer ever but it's you know, how bad is it uh we used to be a thing in johnny carson you know with the crowd and you know, the you know the the, the studio audience etc well, the Cardinals have been so bad the fourth quarter. They've scored one touchdown in five games, 
and uh, they've been outscored 54 to 7. That they have, and that is something that we will dive into here uh, as we continue on in the program. We'll answer the question around 1130. But let's start with the Arizona Cardinals here. They do have some big news uh, for the offense. Not good news either with running back James Conner being placed on IR yesterday with his injured knee that he sustained in Sunday's game against the Bengals. It came after the big 35-yard run in the second quarter. Before we continue on with that, just taking a look at some of the rushing statistics for the Cardinals through five games so far this season. James Conner leading the way with 68 carries, 364 yards. It's a 5.4 average for him and two touchdowns. And certainly he uh, was an absolute beast when he gets the ball in his hands, just looking for contact at times and uh, carrying defenders with him. Josh Dobbs is second for the Cardinals in rushing yards with 27 carries, 142 yards. It's a 5.3 average for him, one touchdown. Rondell Moore on some creative trick play at times eight carries 116 yards that's a 14.5 average one touchdown for more than Amari DiMercato stepping in for James Connor 14 carries 48 yards 3.4 average one touchdown and then Keontae Ingram who was inactive uh, but uh, in a couple of opportunities he had early in the season 12 carries 15 yards 1.3 average yeah, I think it's a little misleading uh, because, you know, a lot of the, you know, Dobbs had the very long carry against the, against the Cowboys and Moore had the long touchdown run against the Cowboys too. But, uh, you know, I take out those numbers and I think they're pretty pedestrian, both of those guys, as far as running the ball goes. I think that Connor's going to miss in many areas. Um, I think the biggest surprise, well, t- I think we had a pretty good idea when he came here that he certainly in his days in Pittsburgh seemed to have, whether it be at college when he went to the University of Pittsburgh or with the Steelers, he had a real nose for the goal line, and that's certainly not, you know, that, that's been, I think, verified. And uh, we've seen that here, certainly. Uh, the, two th- the, the thing I was most surprised about, he could really catch the ball, uh, which he wasn't required to do too much in the Pittsburgh passing, or lack thereof now, passing offense. And the other thing, he's a tremendous pass blocker. And that's something that I think that they're going to miss as much as anything because, the, you, know, you know, basically, you know, the, the kid from TCU and, you know, you know, Rondell Moore, I mean, my God, I mean, how many times has he been required pass block in his life? Uh, you know, Dobbs almost got killed twice last week because DeMarcado was whiffed on blocks. Or, in fact, one time he didn't have any idea where the blitz was coming from. I'm not blaming him because it's rarely that a first-year running back in the NFL anywhere uh, is a really good pass blocker, understands blitz pickups immediately, uh, something that they rarely are you know, asked to do in college, and it's a whole different world the NFL. But I, I would be really concerned about pass blocking by for the running backs until further notice without Connor out there. Uh, Speaking of Connor, this coming from uh, NextGen Stats, that he sees 8-plus in the box 27.94% of the time, and his rush yards over expected is 0.76. So that's obviously in the positive there. Uh, The team, though, having to make some moves, having to make some decisions. They claimed running back Tony Jones Jr. off of waivers from the Saints. 
So when it comes to uh, Tony Jones Jr., offensive coordinator Mike Petzing was asked about him. He said, certainly I think he brings a lot to the table in terms of helping us on offense. I think Monty, meaning Monty Othwart, does a great job of looking around the league and making sure we're always doing whatever we can to get better at every position. So excited to get him in the building. Just for some reference points, Tony Jones Jr. played at Notre Dame from 2016-2019, undrafted in 2020. He joined the Saints in 2020 to 2022 uh, finished the 2022 season with the Seahawks back with the Saints this year with four games 21 carries 70 yards and two touchdowns he was a really good college player um you know I, I can't imagine he's gonna make any difference here I think he's uh, there's a reason he's available uh we're sitting here in you know week five six whatever week this is in the NFL and uh, pretty much anybody you pick up at this point, the waiver wire has either you know, had problems with the law and been arrested or something, or just not a good player. And like I said, I can't imagine that it's going to make any difference here. Uh, offensive coordinator Drew Petting had plenty of other things to say, so let's dive to some of those now uh, in regards to what are they going to do without James Conner. Petting says, I don't think a lot changes. I think it's one of the things we talk about. I trust everybody in that room. AD does a great job of getting those guys ready. I think you saw that when he went out of the game, next guy in has to step up, know his role, got to understand the offense and what we're trying to accomplish. And I thought Amari did a great job of that, and I expect everybody in the room to pick up the slack and really fill in when needed okay i don't know what he's supposed to say um you know our guys suck or whatever he's supposed to say but uh you know but uh we'll see how it goes i mean i can't imagine that there's not going to be a monumental drop off here uh without connor and you know, i can make a pretty easy case that uh three of the best uh, five cardinals players are you know thompson baker and Connor and two of the you know, two of those guys are an injury reserve, and I have no idea if Thompson's going to be able to play this week. He had to leave the game last week. Uh, a couple of different things here on Amari Di Mercado. He was asked if he becomes running back number one now. He says, "I think that's something we'll work through this week. Nobody's going to fill Jesus' shoes perfectly, so I think all those guys are going to step up and take part of that role." In addition to that, he was asked what stood out about Amari when you first brought him in and how he's grown over his time with the Cardinals. He says he's very unflappable. Whatever the role was, whatever was asked of him, the stage was never too big. He was always ready, always prepared. Coming in as an undrafted guy, earning a spot. When the first game came, you'd never know that it was his first year out there. Okay. Um, just looking ahead to the Rams game, they've had some – Interesting in the game so far defensively. Uh, they've been good stopping the run in some games, and they've had like no chance of stopping the run in some other games. So I'm uh, not sure really you know, how to evaluate the Rams at this point, other than the fact last I saw, uh, which is before the season, right when the season started, he had they had 15 or 16 rookies on the team, and a lot of those guys were on defense. So maybe that has something to do with their inconsistency just stopping the run. And finally, from Drew Petzing here, he was asked what led to the turnovers on Sunday with Josh Dobbs entering the contest, having thrown no interceptions. He threw two, including a pick six, had a fumble, plus there was the turnover on downs on a fourth and one call. Uh, Petzing says turnovers are critical. That's something we preach in the room a lot. Anytime we're turning the ball over, it starts with me. It starts with scheme, just making sure that I'm putting guys in position where they are not at risk of exposing the football, not turning 
turning it over on downs. So I think I could have been a lot better in that football game in terms of some of the positions I put them in. And certainly we, from a decision-making standpoint and execution standpoint, have to take care of the football if we're going to win games. So certainly that was disappointing, but we're going to get back out there Wednesday and work through a lot of that. Okay, I'm going to completely defend Petzing here. I mean, I don't think any of those turnovers had anything to do with him. Uh, you know, Dobbs, uh, you know, until he got here when he was, you know, surprisingly, I think, to many uh, who had seen him before, he was surprisingly accurate uh, right off the bat and did a good job protecting the ball. Uh, but the, the, you know, he was, you know, kind of back to his inaccurate history last week, really from the start of the game on. And, uh, you know, you know completing roughly 50 percent of your passes that's not going to fly in any level of football uh, unless you're, i guess you're like a wishbone quarterback or a quarterback for air force or something uh, they you know they, they're going to probably do cartwheels if you're completing 50 percent of your passes in that case but you know he was bad his history was not great before he got here quite frankly which is why another guy they could pick up on waivers like literally right before the season started he was on the street could have anybody could have had him uh, so, uh, and it's a league in a league that's desperate for quarterbacks. Yeah. He was out there. Uh, yeah, he, he, he was. And, and so, you know, it's going to be interesting here with the Rams and just, uh, looking ahead to them here briefly for some turnovers, protecting the football. You know, this isn't the same defense that won that Super Bowl a couple of years ago. You still have Aaron Donald. They're still capable of getting some pressure and some, and making some plays, but it isn't, uh, I guess the same defense that it, that it was not even close. I mean, it's not even same ballpark. I mean, it's, yeah, they might be wearing the same jerseys. I don't know, these jerseys these days. I don't know what people are wearing from week to week. I don't even recognize some teams from week to week with all these retro jerseys and whatever they're doing. But, uh, you know, they only have like two or three starters from what well, that was two years ago, right? When they won the Super Bowl two seasons ago. And they, they, they have less than, you know, it's like literally like two or three guys. Uh, Donald has been good. Uh, in some games and missing in action in other games, kind of like the the rest of their defense. We'll get into the offensive side of things for the Rams when we listen or or I read uh, some of the comments from defensive coordinator Nick Rollis. We'll get his perspective on what happened in the secondary, what he sees from the secondary, uh, the roles from Keytrell Clark, and then also Garrett Williams. He's the rookie. Uh, he was activated off of the uh you know pup list so there's that 21 day window for him to come back get his perceptions of garrett williams and then what he sees from this rams wide receiver and offense group we'll do that on the other side of the break it is the extra point on this wednesday october 11th right here on kdos am 1060 online at kdos 1060.com and with the kdos 1060 app powered by superbook sports Check out KDUS AM 1060 on 100.7 KSLX HD2. That's right, HD Radio on 100.7 channel number two.
1023 right here on KDOS AM 1060. As always, online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. It is Wednesday, October 11th. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you. Continuing our Arizona Cardinals conversation. The coordinators met the media yesterday. Uh, we went through some of the things that Drew Petzing had to say in regards to uh, moving forward with the running back situation. James Connor being placed on IR, uh, what the offense could potentially look like now moving forward with him missing some time. Uh, in addition to that, uh, you know, what led to the turnovers that occurred in Sunday's contest. Now flipping this on over to defensive coordinator Nick Rollis and you know, the defensive side of the ball was not without injury as well. You had Jalen Thompson exiting the game in the second quarter. You also had Antonio Hamilton coming in and out of the game. I think at first he left uh, with an ankle injury. Second time he left being evaluated for a concussion. So there was several different uh, players leaving that contest with injuries. So the question was to defensive coordinator Nick Rollis, how do you adapt to players getting injured during the game and uh, injuries like Antonio Hamilton who left and came back multiple times? Rollis says it can get challenging at times as far as focusing on the situation we're in, the calls we need to get to, but also what's the substitutions like are we all out of certain groups so I thought that JG helped us out tremendously with the position coaches of getting everything organized as far as who needs to be ready to go here if this happens and his answer uh, a little bit more in depth after that as well but I thought it was just kind of fascinating kind of the the things that have to come together so quickly right the play clock uh, you know you only have so many seconds to make decisions in addition to that you know what are your substitution packages you only have so many players that play certain positions who can slide in in a pinch etc does that eliminate you being able to play a certain type of defense because you don't have a number of guys so I just thought kind of the game within the game was interesting there yeah I actually thought it was more fascinating that why the hell is Antonio Hamilton playing Uh, yeah he played almost no snaps on defense uh, the first, like, four games, and now he starts. Uh, and he got asked about that, and he didn't, give a, he didn't really give an answer to that. As a, you know, after not playing at all, basically, why is he out there? And you know, we've seen enough of Antonio Hamilton through a couple different coaching staffs, and he's, like, not a really good player. I mean, I understand they got to start somebody, but, you know, I thought, they, what did Clark do wrong? Uh, I must have missed that the first four games. He got basically benched. Uh, yeah, so he was specifically asked about what is Keytrail Clark's role going forward, and this is maybe where that non-answer came in. Uh, he says here, again, a week-to-week thing we always talk about. I feel really good about Ham, Keytrail, any of those guys going out there and playing at a high level, and we wanted to get those guys contributing if we feel like guys can help us win. We really want the more guys playing because then you're, you're fresher. Guys, when they do have to go into yeah. the lineup, they've played – so that's just something week to week we talk about how roles can change, and that's what we decided for last week. Yeah, he got he didn't answer any really questions. I listened to the whole thing this morning from yesterday, and I don't think he really answered any of the questions, which I'm, you know, I wouldn't either if I'm him because he's got a limited deck. Uh, they're bad, and the, they there cannot be a defense in the NFL that has less talent than the Cardinals in the entire league, and. 
He's just mixing and matching and doing the best he can, and that's not going to get any better during the season unless these guys just suddenly become go for marginal at best players to guys that can make a difference. And I, I like I said, I just can't imagine that's going to happen during a season. Uh, furthermore, he was asked about what he saw from the secondary. He says here, other than a few plays, we did a good job of eliminating the big play. <laughs> Other than the post, you can't allow that to happen. And a couple others that went under 20 yards have to limit those. They did a good job of getting him the ball, him being Jamar Chase, uh, fast in space through screens, through quick bubbles, through quick game slants. And so we have to do a better job as coaches of having a plan, not just to try and eliminate those big plays, but also just getting the playmakers' touches in general. Okay, this is more coach speak crap that, you know, he has to say something. I can't come out and say that my players suck and we need more talent. Uh, but that's what I, I would imagine he'd really like to say at some point, and I don't blame him for this. I think that he's got an impossible job because they don't have talent. They're not good. And I don't care whether you have it or not, there's no way you could allow somebody to have almost 200 yards receiving against you. I don't give a damn if you have bad players or not. That cannot happen. So when it comes to uh, Garrett Williams, he was activated off the pup list there, 21 days to make the official active roster. Uh, so what have they seen from Garrett Williams? Nick Rollis said uh, he had a great week of practice. I saw a guy that doesn't look like a rookie who is taking his first snaps, and that's a credit to his work ethic because he's studying, preparing like he's a starter since he got here. It hasn't wavered at all. It's easy for someone in his position to say, oh, okay, I got a a lot of time here before I'm actually out there and I'm going to kind of coast and he hasn't done that he is on it one of the smarter players I've been around and you can see that show up the application of it was impressive yeah and I saw him a little bit at Syracuse Williams Williams a little bit at Syracuse now it's Syracuse so you know I think a lot of us and I'm raising my hand on this one trust me folks uh yeah I didn't get sucked in on Syracuse this year but I did a couple years ago you know, Syracuse and Maryland look like the greatest teams in the world every September when they play garbage schedules and, you know, they run up these wonderful records. They seemingly never lose a game in September. And then when they start playing good teams, they don't beat them and rarely even come close to beating them. And that's happening again this year. But there were a couple of plays that I remember watching Williams either last year or the year before where I knew who he was. Uh, and uh, I think I remember him, you know, hitting guys more, you know, the, you know, contact and, you know, being a, a guy that that got my attention more than him covering guys. But uh, I knew who he was, at least before the Cardinals drafted him. And finally here, the Rams, they're going to L.A. to face the Los Angeles Rams. So what uh, does Nick Rollis see from the wide receivers and from the offense here? Uh, he says it's a good group of skill from the tight ends to the receivers. Backs playing good. Obviously, the quarterback and the play caller are the best of the best. I feel like he's adapted, he being Sean McVay, since he first got there until now, which says a lot because he's had success from the beginning. You, uh, you can see they're putting new rules in. The motion that they use presents challenges to the defense. Right now, they are playing at a high level. Quarterback is obviously an elite player. He's willing to put the ball anywhere, knows how to get it out of his hands fast. Cooper Cup came back. He's got a huge route tree that you got to account for. Overall, McVay's offense is good, and he said it with Lyle. 
he mentioned Stafford. Um, and that dude, I remember the first time I ever saw he when he was at Georgia in college, they played a game here against ASU. I've seen uh, God knows how many college football games lie in my life. And uh, to that point, I've never seen a quarterback with an arm like him. And I'm not sure if I've ever seen a college quarterback since then with an arm like him. Maybe Jamarcus Russell. That's a, you know, I'm sorry. I mean, he couldn't do anything else, but he was, he got an arm. But anyway, Stafford, just based on what I've seen so far this year, the dude still has a tremendous arm. And I knew there was a stat last week. I can't imagine this has changed too much in the last week after one more game. But yeah, he had twice as many passes outside the completions, outside the hash marks. Excuse me, the numbers, not the hash marks. The numbers in the NFL than any other quarterback. And that takes arm strength to do that. So it just kind of backs up the eye test. Yeah, you know what was kind of impressive to me? So we saw that Stafford was really hobbled in that Colts contest there uh, with the hip injury, really struggled just to kind of move down down the field after they completed some passes. Uh, But you didn't really see any of that evidenced in the game against the Eagles, and and they – ended up churning a bunch of yards only uh ended up with 14 points so it's almost kind of like one of these situations too they're dealing with an offensive line that's had a lot of injuries uh you know in that Colts game Matthew Stafford lost uh two left tackles but uh you know just kind of in general how they're mixing and matching uh different players now with Cooper Cup back uh they're able to move the ball so I feel like they're in this category of being a better team than maybe we thought heading into the season but they're not in that next caliber. They're not even close to the next caliber. I totally agree, though. I, I thought that they'd be as bad as the Cardinals or close as, almost as bad as the Cardinals when the season started. I mentioned all the rookies that they have on their roster. Not all those guys. In fact, the majority of those guys are on defense but and special teams. But, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's Stafford. This is a dude that played with a broken back basically for half a season when he was in Detroit. Uh, and he's uh, incredibly difficult, uh, tough, and difficult to get out of the lineup because of his toughness. And you know, there's times that I'm sure he's had coaches, and I'm guessing you know, his certainly his wife has been very outspoken about this that he should have been playing, not been playing in some of these games over the years. But uh, toughness has never been a question. Arm strength's never been a question. And when a lot of people were ripping him, national media especially. When he was in Detroit, I've always been a Stafford supporter. I just uh, pointed out all the good things, and you know, it's not like he had a tremendous supporting cast or any any supporting cast in some of those years in Detroit. I heard this uh, comment earlier this week, or maybe it was last week, when discussing you know the trade for Matthew Stafford to L.A. and Jared Goff to the Lions, and that the prevailing sentiment here is that it ended up being a win-win because Jared yeah. Goff has developed into being their starting quarterback. That maybe the original thought here was that you you make the money all work golf comes in for a season but you're eventually going to be drafting for the future but he's been pretty Mm -hmm. good with the lions Uh, totally really good with the lions Uh, i think that whole thing that win-win is a perfect i think uh description of that trade you know detroit you know they're not even thinking about after a quarterback and right now because golfers you know getting up there golf's getting up there in years but you know they're not they, they did they would have already drafted a quarterback. I think a lot of people probably thought when that trade was made, you know, here we are with three seasons later, 
and he's still their starting quarterback, and, and you know, for good reason. He's been really good. He's tremendous in play action, uh, tremendous on third down. He's been, you know, I think this home road thing has changed a little bit, but not completely, but still. I mean, they've gotten more out of him than I imagined that they even thought they were going to get. So he's been really good, and the Rams won championship with Stafford. So I think that's a win. <laughs> so win-win works. I think that's an excellent compare, uh, analogy and description. Yeah, I would hope that that would be considered a win. You, you make the trade yeah. and you win the championship off of it. Yeah, that seemed to work out okay for a brief period of time, at least for one year. For, right, exactly. All in to get that championship. And it paid yeah. off for the Rams. Uh, on the other well, side. And they, and they knew we were going to be bad the next year because they were in salary cap hell at that point. Kind of like the 49ers might be right now. On the other side, your phone calls, 602-260-1060 is the number if you'd like to chime in. We'll also get into some news from around the NFL. Uh, the IR list is becoming popular for teams among wow. around the league. Yeah. It really sinks, so we'll get into some of those updates here next. Plus your phone calls, 602-260-1060. It is the Extra Point. to bring KTUS AM 1060 into your home with Alexa? Hi, I'm Alexa. Download the KTUS AM 1060 skill and enable. Then say, Alexa, open the KTUS AM 1060. This is where I start my day. here on KDUS AM 1060 as always follow along with us on at KDUS1060.com and with the KDUS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports it is the extra point right here on KDUS AM 1060 and we'll get into some NFL news and notes here shortly but as promised it's phone call time 602-260-1060 is the number so let's pop on out to the KDUS hotline Al in Phoenix what's on your mind today Al? Well hey uh to uh, uh, Bob Kayla, but uh, you know, if the Dodgers get swept out by, the, or even if they lose this series to the Diamondbacks, you think that they could have a change in manager? Because it seems like with all their payroll and everything else, that they're, even though I know they've made the playoffs eleven years in a row, whatever, but they, they don't, they're, they, they really seem to not not be doing well in these playoffs ever since they won the World Series. Well, or since before they won the World Series. They had won yeah, one since 1988 before that. been 1988 till they won the, the World Series in the COVID year. I, I think it would be slim to zero chance that they'd have a managerial change because this roster, I mentioned several weeks ago that I would almost for sure be going against the Dodgers in the first their first playoff round, not realizing that they might play the Diamondbacks. Uh, <laughs> but they've got – he got. They have nothing close to a you know major league caliber championship roster right now. They're starting pitching. You know three of their projected starters out for the season. Uh, I think that Kershaw is injured. Just watching him throw 85, 86 miles an hour in the fastballs to start that game the other night, I think actually confirms that something's clear wrong with him. I know he's old. And a lot of guys lose their velocity as they get older. Not everybody. Obviously, look at the guys in the state of Texas right now with Scherzer and Verlander. Uh, you know, Scherzer actually still throws much harder than Verlander does at this point. But they—they're they, not—they don't have a championship roster anymore. I, I agree. And 
especially out of football, you know, the Cardinals' defense is like rearranging the chairs in the Titanic. There's <laughs> <laughs> not much you could do with it. They're awful. And, and we knew they'd be awful, though. I mean, I don't think this should come as any surprise to anybody. I think this is more closer to the uh, Titanic without chairs as far as the Cardinals' defense. <laughs> yeah, it's bad. I mean, and um, then, you know, you were talking about uh, – we talked about with Jed Fish last time I talked, and, and I've kind of more, come come more over to your side. I thought he's, you know, I know they have a lot of penalties. I thought he's, he's, some of his play calling was terrible in that USC game too. They should I think should have gone for two in that. In everybody, that everybody in the yeah, everybody in the world should have thought they'd go for two, except for him. And his excuse at his Monday press conference was one of the lamest things I've ever heard. Uh, it's in my, I don't want to, you know. Just you can go online, I'm sure, and listen to what he had to say. I mean, it's the the worst answer of all time. I mean, I, you were, I was just talking about you know Nick Rollis, you know, not answering questions, but you know, he's he's you know being a a good guy and defending his players, and that's you know, I guess what a coach should do instead of just saying my players suck. Uh, but you know the 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 jet fish thing is just incredible to me, and why some people in Tucson think that he's the guy for the job and. Yeah, I've actually thought he certainly has increased the talent level. There's no doubt about that. And recruiting has gotten much better, but they took a monstrous recruiting hit on Sunday night when Elijah Rushing, who's the highest paid, or excuse me, highest paid, highest rated, (laughs) their highest rated commit in the history of the program. He's from South Point High School in Tucson. The dude's 6'6", 250. Correct. I mean, he's six six and two fifty one as a high school player. He's considered to be by some of these scouting services to be literally the best edge rusher in the country. And on Sunday night, he decommitted to the U of A, his hometown team. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, 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 in a way, I can't blame him. I wouldn't want to. You know, there's. Oh, I don't blame him either. I mean, I mentioned earlier in the sports zone that if you're watching this crap for three years and the same stuff happen every week, the same stupid penalties, the same, you know, on offense, they have more pre snap penalties than anybody in history on defense. There's at least a couple of offsides per game, a couple of stupid personal personal fouls every week. It's the same garbage every week. I've actually, as I mentioned, I've praised him for bringing the talent and recruiting and so forth. But now he's lost the best player he's ever recruited before he ever plays it down in Tucson. <laughs> yeah, I know. I think we're, uh, it's going to have to work its inevitable conclusion out. But uh, all right, well, thanks, Bob. The inevitable conclusion is that they think yeah. he's great. I mean, oh there doesn't, doesn't seem to be any inkling from anybody inside the administration that yeah. you have, he he's going he's more likely to get contract extension than be out of a job. Yeah, it, it, it really it's hard to under, I you know I don't know it's just the culture that's so you know is is just so historically bad that this is no no I think he's actually improved the culture but if you watch them play. It, it, this team should be a whole lot better than it is. Yeah, um, I agree. They should have they should have more wins now. Be for years they haven't had enough talent. Now they've got enough talent, and they don't have a coach to put them in the proper position to win games. Why wasn't Fafita starting from the beginning? The story is terrible. And Fafita, he's I, that's the thing. I, I mean, at least I can watch. He seems like an injury. I don't know if he's ever going to start again. Because Delore is not, coming. Apparently, back. apparently not. Apparently not. Week uh, Delore has the big. Uh, the big revenge game at Washington State where oh. he to play. So, 
Um, yeah. In fact, uh, largely because if Delora actually don't, if we know starting for sure in that game, I almost for sure will be betting on Washington State to cover the number, which was eight or nine the last I saw. Because he, Delora is just a, he's a risk taker. And uh, that's, you know, and, you know, it's not worth the, you know, he makes so many mistakes and puts his teams in bad, his team in bad position. Plus he yells at offensive linemen all the time. They should yell at him after he makes a stupid interception or loses a fumble. And I think the game is in Pullman, which U of A has really struggled uh, recent years. So. Well, everybody be- struggles in Pullman because you actually have to go there. So that's it. <laughs> yeah. You're so Which depressed you by the time you... Here's a question for you. Pullman, Washington, or uh, Manhattan, Kansas? Oh, I've been to Manhattan, Kansas. That's a pretty fun place. I thought you were oh. El Paso. El Paso oh. <laughs> and Pullman are literally... Those are the two worst cities or towns or whatever you want to call them that I've literally ever been to. <laughs> oh, yeah, El Paso is pretty awful. I'll give, I'll give, I'll, I haven't been to Pullman, though. Just heard about it. Don't don't right. ever don't ever go. It's going to be some kind of you know kid kidnapping situation or whatever. Yeah, it's low on my yeah, low on my bucket list. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much. 602-260-1060, that's the number to chime in. I know uh, we... Kay- Kayla, you've been to Pullman before. <laughs> I was just going to say, you know, I feel like on my side of things, I'm going to have to defend Pullman here. I mean, uh, there's, there was, so, so for those that what, don't what know. Do we, what, what, do, what do we do in Pullman? That's <laughs> a good thing. So, so for those that don't know, I went to the, the University of Idaho, which was in Moscow, Idaho, eight miles away from Pullman. So uh, we would travel to Pullman for the better Walmart. Um, we travel <laughs> to Pullman for the better movie theater. Uh, we okay. would travel to Pullman for Washington State's golf course. Um, well, that's a, that's the first good reason I've heard so far. Yeah, uh, you right. have to travel. Well, at least the way that I went, you travel through Pullman to get to Spokane. So. Okay, now, Spokane. I've I've never been there, but I've heard a lot of good things about Spokane. Yeah, I've been to the airport. I've been to Gonzaga's campus. Um, other than that, I haven't really spent a whole lot of time okay. exploring <laughs> okay. Spokane. Okay, well, you did, if you could just, like, bypass Pullman and go to Spokane, that seems like a good idea. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I feel like, though, I have to defend Pullman here. Um, they have... Uh, there's no defense. <laughs> <laughs> and I haven't been there since, like, 1978, so I'm sure it's much better now than it was then. I'm laughing to myself here when I yeah, say Yeah, because I'm also thinking, like, the restaurants were so much better in Moscow than they were in Pullman, uh, so okay. I can't even defend the food. Um, okay. So yeah, I, I guess I'm on the uh, the golf course, the movie right. theater, and the Walmart. Okay. And there's not a Walmart in Moscow. So there was. It wasn't the how, super how could, Walmart. It was the smaller okay. Walmart. That could have changed. This has been quite a while ago now. So uh, oh, there okay. could have been an expansion and an upgrade at this point. Could be the non-super Walmart. <laughs> we'll wrap up our number one next. Your caddy, Ray Adams, takes you beyond the 18th hole on Saturday mornings with Great American Golf from 6 to 7 a.m. on KDUS AM 1060. <laughs> 
1054 right here on KDOS AM 1060. As always, online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. It is the extra point wrapping up hour number one. I know I had said heading into uh, the previous segment that we'd get to some NFL discussion here, but based upon the time, we'll move all of that to hour number two. We'll also dive more into the Diamondbacks and the games from yesterday and more today around Major League Baseball playoffs. But first, I do want to ask you this question here, Bob, because this this does seem to be a hot topic of discussion when it comes to Major League Baseball playoffs and what to do with the division winners who have been sitting. And so it all kind of stems from here with the Rangers uh, going ahead and sweeping the Orioles. You have the Diamondbacks leading 0-2. You have the Astros series up 2-1. The Phillies and the Braves are all tied up 1-1. But the prevailing thought here that I'm seeing around discussion points is that the division winners are now at a disadvantage by having to sit and wait. And all the advantage and momentum, if you will, is on the wild card teams because they've been playing. So first of all, what is your direct response to that notion? I think it's BS. <laughs> she really hasn't hurt the Astros any. Uh, so, you know, I think that's just a convenient post-game uh, you know, excuse. Um, you know, the Orioles just were overmatched. They weren't ready for this. Their manager, who did a great job uh, during the regular season, and I sat here for weeks and said they play so smart for a young team, and Brandon Hyde's done a great job. That's all true during the regular season. They were completely the old not ready for prime time thing. Uh, that was clearly the case. And, you know, Brandon Hyde was asleep at the switch yesterday. How he can allow in an elimination game your starting pitcher to give up six runs and seven hits and one walk before you take him out of the game uh, is inexcusable. Uh, so, you know, that was that. So uh, I, 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 hogwash is, was my, one of my dad's Ooh. favorite words. I'm going to use that word. That's that's what he would say to this question, and I'm just going to quote my dad from Hogwash. Uh, many years, Mr. Baseball. And you think I'm a baseball fan? He was even a bigger baseball fan than I, so that would be his response. Hogwash. We're going with the word of the day uh, is hogwash. <laughs> that's right. Um, word of the decade, right there. Or the century. He almost lived to you know, he was 86 or 87 or whatever. So by the time he passed away. So he used that word for almost a century. So some of the other, I guess, ideas being thrown out there about how to quote-unquote fix this, uh, it would be to go back to a wild card with it just being a one-game wild well, card that game. The, that would be the worst idea of all time. That's that, that was a, yeah, that's just stupid. That's beyond hogwash. Words I can't say on the air. I could, but it'd be like the last word I said here. We um, don't want that to happen. No, we don't. Uh, so well, then, so, some probably do. <laughs> <laughs> so that's not a good idea, right? So stick with the three no. games for the wild card. Uh, now, what stick do you stick with what they're having right now? I mean, this is just stupid. Based on what we've seen for like a week, we're going to change the whole system. So that was going to be my next thought here, uh, because then I've also seen that the LDS series should also increase to seven games instead of it being a five-game series. But my thought here— I could buy. Okay. I I could buy that. My thought, though, was do we even have enough data or years to really support any argument either way that this works or doesn't work? Well, the current system, no. Is it 
two, three years that they've had this? Right. So, I mean, there's certainly not enough data, data for that. So, no. I think the best thing you, that we've you know, mentioned here, or you've mentioned here, and I'm not blaming you because you know, people are throwing all these crazy things and you're doing the right thing, running with it, or at least asking me about it and find out that it's hogwash. Uh, but, uh, you know, the fact, the seven-game series in this division, so I, that, that I'm completely in favor of that. So uh, yeah, that's good. I think the worst thing is that that first round is the you know, best out of three, which is like the all-time crapshoot. Uh, yeah, it is, right? Um, because you have – and it also kind of depends upon how you set things up finishing the regular season. Were you in well, a pos- position to have your starter yeah. go, not have your starter go? It, it, did you have things wrapped up or not? Well, I kind of like that part, though, to be honest, that part. I mean, we just wish we were in best out of three. But you should be – if you take care of business in the regular season, you should be able to be rewarded by setting up your pitching staff for the playoffs whenever you're playing. Hour number two is coming up next. We'll dive into the Diamondbacks. There's also two other games going on in Major League Baseball. We'll talk about the uh, Rangers sweeping the Orioles as well. That gets things started in hour two of the Extra Point next. Next.